Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Megan Fitzgerald. I'm Victoria. And this episode is all about... There's like five episode titles. I have Hotation. I love Hotations. Go for it. Go for it. Go. Ho for it. Ho for it. Ho. <laughs> There's so many quotes from the show that are applicable. All that to say, we are talking about the period in which Issa and Lawrence are apart when they're dating other people, who those other people are, how we feel about them, and both of their kind of their ho phases, which both of them have. And they look very different, but they both have those mm-hmm. phases. And kind of what's going on with their relationship relationship over the course of them being broken up. So this is, you know, basically from the moment Lawrence leaves Issa's life up until we're going to go to like the end of season three in this episode. There's a lot of people to talk about because they really, this show's only four seasons, but they really get around. There's a lot of they other really people do. Yeah, that come into their lives that I have strong opinions about. <laughs> Uh, but before we get into it, just so you know, you know, if you should watch this show, continue to listen to this podcast, we want you to feel involved and invited. So we're going to go into relatable content. There it is. Uh, so today our relatable content, because this is a time where Issa and Lawrence are separate, it's going to be more of a you might be an Issa or a Lawrence during this time period, if... You might be an Issa or a Lawrence if for maybe the first time ever, you feel slightly out of control when it comes to your dating life. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think this happens with people either they've gone through a big breakup and all of a sudden they're single and they feel like a fish out of water or because they're very, very much used to having the upper hand in dating and relationships and all of a sudden they don't. They've lost, you've lost a little bit of control. And you get there faster than you realize. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you might be in an Issa slash Lawrence relationship, or you might be Issa or Lawrence, however you want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. If your objective when you go on a date is just to have sex, and I think <laughs> only you know that. And if you, I mean, I think when people go on a date, yeah, that's the possibility. But right. sometimes it's, you want to meet someone, you want to have a good conversation, try a new restaurant, venue, whatever. But if you're going literally just to F-U-C-K, maybe you are a Lawrence, probably more of a Lawrence than Issa. Uh, well, even I thought you were referring to uh, that guy, Nico, she goes on the date with. That was bad. Yeah, I'm not going to bring that up until later on. But that was he was a keeper and she really just she ruined it. Yeah. 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 So both of them. That's funny. You might be an Issa or a Lawrence in one of those situationships. If you are attempting to live out this like fantasy of what this phase in your life should be. Interesting. When you name it a certain phase, she's like, oh, I'm on my Halle Berry shit. When you're trying to live out your quote unquote single life, you have all these expectations of what this time is supposed to be. I remember when I, so I've, I've had two three and a half year relationships. And, yeah. <laughs> and so when the first one ended, I was like mid college. And so I remember my friend was like, single Megan, I want you to pass out in the bushes. I want you to wake up and not know where you are. I want pregnancy scared. And we were all like, yes, single Megan. It's going to be such a move. going to be such a time. It was not. I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm glad you said it was not because it never actually is. No, of course not. You have your friends hype you up to have some insane, like sex fueled rage nights, like bouts of intercourse. And it's really not even that exciting. No, it really almost always ends up with like being hung over with a bagel. <laughs> Tears on the couch. Okay. Yeah. You might be in an Issa or Lawrence situationship if you have three or more active dating profiles. And the Ooh. key word in this is act is active because I personally I have I think on my phone right now there's hinge, there's the league, and there's Tinder. But I only okay, really the league. What a Molly. I'm on the league. If you've never heard of a league, there's a waiting list of like literally 100,000 people and you have to have a LinkedIn page. You have to have recommendations. It's crazy. It's the worst. You get three matches per day and it's all short white finance guys. It's not worth (laughs) it. I only keep it just to say I'm on the league, but that's what I have. But back to my point, you have three or more active dating profiles, active as in you are constantly checking in on those. Mm -hmm. Like I have one hinge that I'm actually, you know, keeping up with. The other two I just kind of have in my back pocket. But if you have three that you are reminding yourself to actually get in and 
do some work on, maybe you're in that situation. You're really prioritizing your Halle Berry shit if you have three active. Hinge is my only active one too. Hinge, I think, is the best. Bumble, I don't love. Tinder, we all know what you're on Tinder for. I kind of keep it just for like confidence boosters. You may be in uh, Issa Lawrence situationship if you may be having the most sex of your life. Right. But you may not feel like a boss in the way that you thought you would. You might be in an Issa Lawrence situationship if you're meeting the family and friends of someone who you don't really care about. This and my next one are ones that I think it's very easy to find you in this situation. It kind of just ends up that way. You may not know that you're not into it until you show up around their friends and family and you're like, oh, I don't want to put in this effort. And it is a lot of effort, which is why I want to... the whole. Okay, so this whole episode about the hotation, it's going to be mm-hmm. difficult because I don't want to judge anyone. Right. Everyone has different, you know, phases and things they want to do. And sometimes like you just, you literally just don't want to put in the effort and that's not a crime. But a crime is leading them on, you know? So it's this one's I think might be like a little dodgy. Yeah, I think just like as a disclaimer, it all depends on where you're at. What we're going to like probably, I assume, spend the most time criticizing is the communication. It's the communication because we all have been on both sides of this. You may be in an Issa Lawrence situation if you are forced to solve problems for yourself because for the first time in a long time, you don't have a person to go to. So you got to be independent. My last one, you might be in an Issa Lawrence situationship. If you get that wonderful surprise phone call, you might need to get tested. And my disclaimer extends to this last one as well, because everyone, not, I mean, not everyone gets those phone calls, but they're not uncommon phone calls. But when you get yourself to that point, backtrack a little bit, do a little self-review. How did I get here? Yeah. And I I do think for Lawrence, that is the wake up call. That's his wake up call. And again, everyone at some point in their life very well might get that phone call because, you know, like sometimes things get heated and, you know, stuff happens. But with Lawrence, it's it's not a surprise. Like you knew this was coming. This is just a part of his not downfall, but I guess kind of downfall. Yeah, he's he's spiraling a bit. Uh, Okay, so this leads us very nicely. The way we're going to structure this episode is we're going to talk all about Lawrence's people, his phase. We're going to talk all about Issa's people, her phase, and then we'll get to the ways in which they're circling each other's lives during this time. So let's start with the Tasha situation. Poor Tasha! Tasha. This poor girl. I go back and forth on whether or not she should have known better with Lawrence because, but, but if I were her, you know, these guys or anyone can really lead you on. Mm -hmm. And since we know Lawrence, beforehand we knew this was kind of going to happen but poor Tasha yeah that she did nothing wrong she was just a girl with a crush just pursued it wasn't just her it wasn't just one-sided Tasha has a crush on Lawrence he reciprocated he came to her family reunion he said I'm gonna come back which I guess we can go into what happened but yeah they were at that family reunion he said he had to go do something for work I think here's my thing is that I love the way that Tasha calls him out because he ghosts on her family barbecue, which is embarrassing. And she calls him out. She's like, what What happened? Do you know how humiliating that is for me that you just ghosted? And he's kind of like wishy-washy, sorry. Like, I know how much this meant to you. And she basically calls him out and was like, I knew what this was. I think she says, you fronted like it wasn't. And he did. He gave her all these signs by agreeing to come. He would spend the whole weekend at her house. Mm-hmm. Those are all signs that somebody wants something more serious. So even if the logical part of her was like, all right, he just went through a breakup. He is giving her signs that he wants something more. And this is this is my thing with good guys. <laughs> this is what she says to him. Yeah, all right, I'm sorry. I know how much you wanted me to be there. Quit acting like you give a fuck about what I want. You don't think I knew what this was? I knew it wasn't nothing serious. But see, you fronted like it was. Apologizing for shit you wasn't even sorry for. No, I was sorry. You a fuck nigga. No, you know what? You worse than a fuck nigga. You a fuck nigga who thinks he's a good dude. And as someone who I always end up falling for good guys or quote unquote good guys. And Mm -hmm. lately I've been particularly annoyed with myself because of it, because if something goes wrong in the relationship and this is what happens with Lawrence and Tasha, they will always put it on you. You're the one with all of the big feelings and they did nothing wrong with Tasha. He's like, this is what drove me crazy. I know how much you wanted me to be there. And I've had similar stuff where guys will say things like, oh, I know how much this meant to you. You were getting so invested. And I'm like, first of all, 
you don't know that I was feeling this way or getting this invested. We don't know each other that well. He didn't know her well enough to make that assessment. And second of all, the situation didn't like go sour because of my feelings, because I'm overly invested. You also bear responsibility for the situation by like leaning me on or fronting like you cared more that you did or not being honest about where you were at. But because they're like these good guys, they have so much trouble being the bad guy in a situation, being like, oh, I fucked up. So it always becomes about the other person's feelings rather Mm -hmm. than them taking any responsibility for actions that they would have caused. So I appreciate Tasha for calling it out. A fuckboy disguised as a good guy is way more dangerous than a fuckboy. I think that is a real quote, my Angelo maybe, but I've definitely heard that before. (laughs) So I think when you find yourself in this situation... The, the what you think is the worst thing that can happen is a gaslighting situation, which was where Lawrence would have been like, listen, Tasha, this is just your feelings. I never did this, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's gaslighting. I think one step worse than gaslighting that we don't talk about is acknowledging that you just were an asshole, admitting he knew what, he, what she wanted mm-hmm. and still decided to be a dick. Yeah. That's worse than gaslighting. That's just, you are just being, you're rude. Just being rude. You're being yeah. a bad person. You're being a bad guy. Bad. Fr- you're just being a bad, like a dick. I, I mean, I know I've been in this situation. I'm sure you have. I'm, I'm sure most females have. And I hate to make an argument where it's females do this, guys do this. But more often than not, you ha- I always find that it's the guys who are, you know, leading on and they know they're doing it, but they don't know they're doing it, but they definitely do know that they're doing it. Yeah. Oh, well, we never talked about it. So, you know, bye. Well, I'm going to lead this on as much as I can. And then once it goes sour, then that's going to be my exit. It's It's very like snaky. It's smooth and that's it's such a sloppy situation and it's like it's conscious and that's the thing like Lawrence isn't conscious yes that makes it so much worse and that's the thing is like you have to be conscious enough to do it and to make the choice hour by hour by hour to not go back to the barbecue and then yep have such a hard time acknowledging that you're the fuck up. Mm, it drives me crazy. What she kind of teaches him is this whole, he had been playing the victim so much, but I think yeah. this was like a awakening moment for him of, oh, you're not perfect either, dude. And you have needs and you like attention. You know, all the reasons we lead people on is that we like the attention. We like the yeah, sex. We like feeling like we're being put up on a pedestal by somebody. I think he had this moment where he's like, oh, I enjoy all of those things things too and I am also not perfect yeah you would think that Lawrence who has dealt with emotional turmoil coming straight off his relationship and breakup with Issa would be a bit more conscious of Tasha's feelings and granted even if you don't give a shit about her that's fine but I think just a very basic level of human decency would activate in you to be like oh I can't treat someone like this even if it's someone that you don't want to date at least just this comes back to the communication just just say it so we're not embarrassed with our family waiting to meet this new guy we've been talking exactly. about exactly i mean i think we can both agree she was kind of clearly a rebound but how he was clearly right. a rebound <laughs> but how do you think someone can handle that well do you feel like rebounds are generally okay i think so i a rebound is not always a one night stand and that's Agreed. fine yeah and I don't rebound needs to be with someone you know. It doesn't need to be some be with someone who you don't know. It can be whatever you want, but as long as everyone is on the mm-hmm. same page. Most situations are fine. Judgment-free, they're fine as long as we're on the same yeah. page. Whatever. Actions speak louder than words. So if you are showing up at things like barbecues and you know what that means. You know what that means. Don't act like you didn't know what that means. Communication. Uh, okay. Which brings us to Aparna, who is... I don't like her. Yeah, you go into it. I just, I just wanted to quickly interject and say, I don't like her. I don't like her with Lawrence. I don't like her on her own. I don't like her. Aparna is the co-worker yeah. who actually is the one that Lawrence hangs up on Tasha for on the rooftop of Startup Saturday or whatever. And they start dating. Oh, <laughs> and they start dating casually. And he's also kind of weird about KG about that. And so eventually they start dating more seriously. And it actually seems like they date for a while. And they essentially break up because he gets crazy aggressive jealous. But we'll get into that in a second. Anyways, back to Aparna. She, Aparna and Lawrence, there was no chemistry. Like what? They don't look good together. They didn't really act good together. It was more just a good friend who... She's like a cool guy's girl, which I think is great. Like, fine. But I, I, when I saw them together, I wanted to talk to Issa the like writer Issa not Issa in the show like actual Issa the writer and was like what is this like why why what are we doing 
I think that this kind of relationship exists. This person that I almost feel like Aparna is like training wheels for Lawrence. She gets used during his kind of, this is like a little bit the beginning of his glow up. I love when (laughs) a show literally does a glow up through training for a marathon. And they also, I don't believe that that whole team of people uh, ran that marathon. But Lawrence is getting more confident. He's finding himself. And I think she just happened to be there. And I almost feel like she's just like an accessory to his development. And I think they can like banter, but I think you're right. She's the type of person that can kind of just banter with anybody. You played her as that smart, cool girl where she she won't, you know, baby Lawrence because you know how yeah. he had that presentation. He thought he did yeah. so well. And then a partner was like, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know right. if they like that. And I think you played this as this girl who I'm going to call you on your shit. Like you need that real girl in your life, which I guess you do. But I don't know what it was because I think she's perfectly beautiful. She's probably a great friend, but I just don't like her. Yeah, for me, it's a, I don't like her because she is the I'm a cool girl thing. But do you think that's what we're picking up from her or like she thinks that about herself? It's like girls who think they get along better with guys than girls. I was just talking to my friends about this. Okay, so when I think when I say cool girl, Aparna, I mean, cool girl as in she is outwardly wanting people to say that she is that type of girl who's only friends with guys like she wants that I'm wondering if you mean she's cool girl as in no she's like actually just like a cool girl oh no 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 I mean it in the like quote unquote little silly lines around it cool girl (laughs) quick pause this has nothing to do with the show but I do want to say don't be that girl you need female friendships every female needs so many deep important connective female friendships don't don't be that girl Hard agree. I just don't believe that you are going to get everything you need from guys alone. No shame in having guy friends, but there's no, I just don't believe that it's possible to get everything you need. You need female friendships. And Aparna, she didn't feel genuine to me. I think maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what we're picking up on. Maybe that, yes, we're circling around what it is. She's not genuine. The time that I do respect Aparna the most is when the relationship kind of starts to fall apart. Lawrence starts getting crazy jealous over this other guy at the office. Mm-hmm. And where did that come from? Well, I feel like it's this, um, I think this happens in, you know, our non-fictional lives too. Someone gets so hurt by a breakup or whatever, something with family, something with friends. They take on this jaded, angry narrative that runs their life. Because he got cheated on with Issa and he's clearly not over it. He starts to take out his paranoia and his anger on her. And he becomes this angry, kind of misogynist. It feels like this thing where he's going to be like, oh, I'm never going to trust women again. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It's not a cute side of him. And so when she gets all passive aggressive with her and she's like, I've done this before with guys. I am not doing this again. And she gets out of the car. I respect that. I respect setting a boundary. I respect. Back to Lawrence, though. He, the possessiveness... I found to be a very strong left turn. I did not know where that came from, but from what you just said, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it didn't come out until he was with someone who he actually cared about, which again was just clearly not Tasha because he was like, fuck it. Yeah, I think Lawrence needed to work through that. I think Tasha and Aparna compounded teaches him like, oh, I am not the person I thought I was. I have these issues that I didn't think I had Mm -hmm. and I have to work through them. And so... You know, we learn something from every relationship. And I think with Aparna, he learned he's like clearly not fucking over his jealousy issues and his pain from the breakup. I don't know why I'm so sympathetic to everything Lawrence does. I must just be madly in love with Jay Ellis. But of course, he's going to have triggers, not nightmares. But, you know, you're going you're gonna to think about who's that guy she's talking to. I don't want to fall for this again. You got to protect yourself. He has his armor up. Yeah, he definitely has his armor up. So many people have been cheated on. So many people have been lied to. And then I think you always have to be upfront about it in your relationships. I think if you've been cheated on, I generally think like that's something your partner should know. I would want to know if the person I'm dating had been cheated on. I'd go out of my way to... You want to soften their insecurities. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to meld from Lawrence's hoe phase into Issa's hoe phase. Her hoe phase was awkward as hell. Watching it, I was like, what? It was classic oh, yeah. Issa, the way that she went about hooking up, who she hooked up with. It was just it was just like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Both of theirs look very different. Lawrence's, especially because it's like shown through essentially a montage. Um, I will say... 
It seems like Lawrence has gotten better at sex than the 45 second couch sex in season two. Lawrence's was aggressive. Are we, I don't know if we're skipping over this or this is going to come later, but the two girls from the grocery store. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That was, that actually might be my least favorite sex scene. Yes. It's so bizarre. It's, it escalates so quickly. I don't want to say shocking, but it's kind of shocking. Meeting someone it's, in a grocery store and then an hour later, you're having a threesome with them. Yeah. The whole concept is messy. And then on top of that, they clearly fetishize black men. They said like the last guy, like the last guy we were with, he could go like again right away or something. Like Lawrence had a bunch of miniature wake up calls. I think that was another one for him, kind of. The girls in the grocery store, he's very zero to 60. He's super zero to 60, even in the whole going from like sensitive space at the end of season two, comes back in the middle of season three. And we have this montage of him having aggressive, like having a lot of sex with a lot of people. Yeah, it was a bit much. But (laughs) Lawrence... He, he he lost his way for a bit. He, it, was, it was a lot. I was like, damn, I get the hotation, but damn, relax. Yeah, right. And so that's to me where I'm like, I feel like he was a little bit trying to prove something to himself, to the world, because he's always been, I think, especially because... And we talk about, we've talked about male toxicity existing in people in our lives. And I think before he went through such a phase where he was kind of emasculated, not having a job, Issa providing, being cheated on, being like the sensitive one in the group because he's had this glow up essentially kind of through Aparna. I feel like he's fucking people like he has something to prove. And that's to me why it didn't sit well. Because part of me, I'm like, good for you if you're getting something out of it. The end of this little arc for him is he says to Chad, there has to be more to life than going to work and fucking. He's not satisfied by this time in his life. And so if you are, good for you. Fuck all the people you want. If you're having the best time of your life and you're being safe, go for it. Go for it. Go for it, ho, as Issa says. And as long as you're communicating. Meanwhile, Issa's hookups, awkward as hell, from watching season one and two, from what you would picture a hoe phase for Issa looking like is exactly what it looks like. Oh, 100%. I think in some ways, Lawrence presents when you dream about what your hotation is going to be like when you're like, mm, single me, this is what it's going to be. <laughs> Lawrence is kind of in some ways, I mean, not actually, because deep down he's not satisfied. Best case scenario. And Issa's is kind of worst. But this is what happens to me too when I'm like, I'm going to keep all these people on a rotation. So I'm always feeling good and I'm never without attention. With Issa, she's just not built for this. Issa is not secure enough to have a rotation because the moment that it doesn't work out, she gets so sensitive and in her head because the joy of having, you never have to worry about finding Mm -hmm. the attention. If you're not beginning it behind door number one, you can look behind door number two. And when it works out, it's the best because you have it available, you have dick available to you all the time. But I think for Issa, she can't handle when it, does, when it doesn't work out that way. She's like, why do they need to have sex with more than just me? Yes, she spirals easily. And as someone who is quick to be frazzled and gets her head a lot, I don't know if you are meant to be in a bunch of nebulous relationships. Do you like, because you said in, I think, our first episode that you do like having a couple people around. Do you feel like you are successful in hotating? I feel like I'm a great hotator. Currently, I don't have any. Yeah, currently I don't have anything. But in my more aggressive days, not that there were any like, aggressive days, I would say the way you, you the way you do it is like, I have had friends, male friends in my hotation. And it is fine as long as you both are like, this is a hotation. Such as if I'm texting you at midnight, 1 a.m., or you're doing the same to me, we're on the same page. We're not texting during the day. We're not having long emotional conversations before or after. People are leaving right, literally right after, not even spending the night. Like that, I think that's pretty, that's pretty blatant. I respect that. The rotation that I had without friends, it's more you, you go on a first date and, you know, like you get drinks and you click, you hook up that night and then that just kind of keeps repeating itself. And no one's ever kind of texting during the weekdays, asking how your day was. I think it's just a matter of being able to pick up on people's clues or lack of clues. Like if someone wants to, if I want to know about how your day was, I'll ask about your day and I'm sure you'll do the same. So if that's not going on, but we're still hanging out on weekends, you're in my rotation. So I want to take it back to Tasha where I think you can tell. We should go into how to know if you're in the rotation because I think you brought up a good point. 
Um, I think part of is what you said. If you, no one's checking in with you during the week and you're texting on the weekends, you're probably in a hotation. If you come over already drunk, uh, it's probably it's probably a hotation. If you like literally the second that he or somehow you also finish and then right after that someone leaves, that's probably a hotation. Oh, if you're coming over straight to their house, like if there's no dinner or drinks first and they're just like, do you want to just come over and hang out? You're definitely in a hotation. If you leave right right in the morning, that's probably a hotation. I, I, it, it seems obvious. I think the trouble with hotations is when you want it to be something else, when one person wants it to be something else. It's a very easy concept, but I guess people can't do it right. I'm sure I've fucked it up many times, but you just got to be aware of, of what everyone's doing. Yeah. Like a hotation is math. It's statistics. If they're sleeping with three other people, the chances that they are going to be available to you and door number two is going to be available to you and door number three is going to be available to you or one of the three will. That is math. That's statistics. I am bad at math. So sometimes statistically things will not work out. That's the risk you run with these nebulous relationships is that you got to be okay when you can have all of the dick and you choose and you got to be okay when you don't have any of it and you don't have anybody committed to you. And I don't think Issa is okay with that. And that's why a hotation doesn't work for her. And I think for me, I like to think it does when I have people kind of floating around. I have a hard and fast rule. I have to have a deal breaker about somebody to have them in my like casual world of like, I could never date you. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. You need one strong, unmovable deal breaker for somebody to be just a casual hookup. Otherwise, I know where my brain goes and my brain goes to we're going to fall in love. Um, But if I have a deal breaker, it doesn't do that. I think the hard and fast rules of a hotation, there's two sides of the hotation. One is you really want to have dick around. The thing is, you can get dick literally anywhere, anytime, from anyone, any hours of the day. It's so disgustingly readily available. But if you're someone who wants to have it literally whenever you want, like you want to be able to text someone, that's that's a hotation. And in that case make sure you are on the same page and make sure you're reading the signs very clearly. However, on the opposite side of all of those points, if you're someone who you're going on a date and you think you might potentially like that person, maybe hold off on the sex. As long as you feel like they like you for you, and if they're someone who's pressuring you or hinting at, let's go home together sooner than you are ready because you're still trying to feel the situation out, then he's probably looking to add to his rotation. And that's not what you're looking for. So maybe you should take a step back or just, you know, stack up and be like, what are you looking for? Yeah. Well, I think a prime example of what you just said is Issa and Nico. He was feeling her. He wanted to date. He didn't want to sleep with her at the end of the first date. He wanted to go to dinner before they hooked up. She had no intention on doing that. Look for the signs because Nico didn't. And that's how Nico got fucked over. Because And, you know, for some and also how Issa got fucked over. They were not on the same page with what they wanted. Don't lie to yourself and hide behind let's 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 go to this like next nice steakhouse. Don't lie to yourself like that. Just invite a guy over and fuck him. Like if that's what you want, then just do it. Yeah. Right. That's when you say, Do you want to come over? Don't tell them if there's gonna be dinner. That's when you just yeah. get direct and say, like, do you wanna hang out at my place? We all know what that means. Okay, but let's talk about so she eventually realizes a hotation is not for her. We're gonna talk about Daniel. And there's there's two phases of Daniel. Actually, really, there's three phases of Daniel. There's Daniel when she cheats, there's Daniel when they start kind of dating after they meet in the club and then there's Daniel round three where she stays at his house and they kind of start something again I feel bad for Daniel in the same way that I feel bad for Tasha because again poor guy just kind of wearing his feelings on his sleeve I think he is too I think he has been and I think he I don't know if he always will be but he has been and he's been trying to get her for a while I don't know what to make of Daniel I don't know if he deserves Issa I don't know if Issa deserves him my whole theory about the whole thing is I think Daniel's fully in love with Issa I don't think it would have worked out because I think Daniel's still kind of finding himself and his confidence and I think that's partially why Issa and him don't work out I do feel like though the like things that she gets mad about Daniel for which is one uh the blowjob thing where he gives her a facial and the him fucking girls while she was home definitely the blowjob thing I feel like Issa overreacted I don't think Daniel deserved to be canceled for that I when she I was almost shocked when she reacted that way I 
100% agree with you. Yes. And to quickly go back to what you said before about Daniel, I actually disagree. I think that he has his confidence. I think the problem with him and Issa is that he needed a girl who knew what she wanted mm. and had her shit together. I think he's pretty put together emotionally, physically with his job, his life. I think he's put together. I think he has his moments like everyone does. I think Issa is so much of a mess just by nature of who she is, not even her phase in her life. Like she, as a human, is just a mess. So I don't think that's why they could get along. But the facial thing, you're right. I don't think it was that big of a deal to the point, like it's, it's uncomfortable and it sucks, but I'd probably be like, oh, that was annoying. And then move on. Right. Right. You know, I know I'm just like thinking about my parents listening to this episode. Sure. They're going to come on me. I'd like to know where. Best case scenario. Yes. Yes. But I think whatever was kind of a kinky moment. They were both feeling it. It kind of seemed like an accident because they're pretty graphic about how they show that particular scene. Right. And they show it. And I mean, I'm sure everyone knows this, but if he finishes on her face and he didn't give her warning, but it kind of seemed like he didn't have time to give her warning. I agree with you. I think she overreacted. And I don't know if that's because she was looking for a reason to end it. I think her relationship with Daniel is just so shaky that the smallest thing can just ruin it. So I don't think she was trying to leave. She wasn't trying to stay. It just had no foundation. Yeah. And and actually, this takes me back. I think I actually think you're you're right about it. Like Daniel, I think, is fine. Issa is just always back and forth with Daniel because I think you're right. She doesn't know what she wants, but I think she loves the attention and the safety that Daniel provides because Daniel so clearly is obsessed with her. And that's why the other time she gets mad at him when he's fucking other girls when she's there is because it's kind of the one, one of the times that Daniel a little bit gets petty. And like I've said it before, I support being a little petty. She can't handle it when it's not all about Issa. I will fight to death about this, about Issa. She needs, she needs to be the center of attention. When she needs something, she needs everyone to drop their lives to help her. And I see that that's her one main consistency in my eyes from season one to four is that she needs everyone to stop what they're doing whenever Issa needs help. And that's what kills me about her. The little bit of growth that she does show through Daniel is that she eventually has the moment where Daniel does start to have sex with her and she's like, no, I can't do this. And I think that is a moment of knowing that in her core, she doesn't have the same feelings for him and that it's wrong to lead him on and choosing that over attention. I think that is a baby step in ease of growth. I agree. And that was also after she had been living with him and he was bringing girls home, right? Yes. First of all, him bringing girls home, I think was totally fine. I don't know your opinion on it. I thought they were they were not in a relationship. He was doing her a solid by letting her stay on yeah. his couch rent-free, just helping out around the house. So I think if he wants to bring girls home, go for it. But then when she needs to sleep in a bed... I agree. How was that a good idea with the history that you guys have and knowing how messy things get and the emotions that are involved? Like, what do you think was going to happen? Obviously, someone's going to try something. So major kudos to her for stopping it. But that was a bad decision. Yeah. Like that, that was never going to work out. Yeah, because as we said earlier, like you can't have something casual when you have feelings. Daniel had feelings. Yes, he did. I don't think Isa has no feelings, but she definitely doesn't want to be with him. And that's, and I think that's confusing too. And you're like, I enjoy this person. I'm attracted to this person, but I don't want to date them. And, and, and so I think that can get you in a tricky situation. So, you know, just bottom line, if you have any feelings, including mixed feelings, don't sleep in the same bed as someone. Figure out your feelings before you do something stupid. Because I'm glad you said that about Issa. I agree that she she doesn't not like him. She doesn't like him, but she doesn't not like him. So figure that out before you go snoozing in his bed. So then... She and actually, I feel like there's overlap because she first we're going to talk about Nathan. Everyone loves Nathan. You gotta love Nathan. I just want to like give a moment to honor this first date that starts with them getting the tacos and just goes on and on and on. This is when I fell in love with Nathan. And I just this episode, it's so gorgeous starting at the taco shop walking through LA, walking to her home, to her old house, jumping in the pool, going back to her apartment. It unfolds in the way that is so relatable of like, this is what it feels like to start to fall for for somebody. You know, those days you just don't want the date to end. Both of you are like constantly presented with a moment where the day could end or the night could end. Mm -hmm. And you both keep making decisions to keep it going in this very natural, but still kind of like, ooh, this is exciting and new. What's going to happen way 
And that is such a phenomenon, I think, of falling in love. And this episode just does it so beautifully. Yeah. You know, when you click with someone right away and get into the deep stuff right away immediately, but it doesn't feel weird because it's just, it just comfortable. It was very comfortable. It was very pure. I think Issa was genuinely happy for the first time in a while. And I think Nathan was just a good, is just a good guy. What I like about the Nathan situation, what, and this is, you know, I am, and still in some ways don't know that I don't think she should end up with him. Part of me feels like she should. It's this idea of like a fresh, fresh start. And from the beginning, she is this version of herself that she wanted to be in the beginning of season one, that she couldn't be around Lawrence. She's talking, like she's talking about her rap journal and how she used to give performances. And she kind of hid that part of herself from Lawrence. And she's talking about her goals and wanting to leave her job. And there's this moment too, when they're at Coachella, where she she starts to go into one of her raps. And I mean, she is high. So there's that. But she starts to go into one of her raps. And then she's like, oh my God, did I do that in front of you? Because she, you know, she never really does them in front of anybody else. And he's like, yeah, you just rapped in front of me. And it's also, I don't know if you watched Fleabag, but it, there's this part in Fleabag where she always talks to the camera. That's like her thing. And there's a point where her love interest notices her talking to the camera as the audience. You're like, oh, he really sees you. It reminded me of that. She was comfortable with him enough to rap in front of him. Oh, that's cool. And he said, I think she tells Molly, he made me feel like more than a fuck up. Right. And I think that's important to have somebody that sees you as this cool, badass person and encourage your goals and stuff. And I also think they have the best sex scene of the show in the Ferris wheel. Hey, you know what? I think I think any sex scene with Nathan is going to be a good sex scene. Good for him and good for his mother because Nathan is <laughs> Nathan's a treat. She's known for being so frazzled and emotional. I think she's finally grounded, and I think that Nathan's also grounded. So they just meshed well together. But that couldn't have worked if this was like if she met him the same time she met Lawrence for the first time. It would have been a different relationship. She needed to be more grown for her relationship to work out with Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She is very grounded. Even through that whole date where they're jumping in the pool, they're like literally breaking into someone's house. Even at Coachella, which is the most chaotic place in the world, she's very grounded with him. And that's a nice side of her to Mm -hmm. see. But let's talk about the the not so good things. So they start to get serious. They hook up at Coachella. They have this conversation of like, how do you know when it's real? It starts to really feel like she's falling for him. And then he disappears. So let's talk about just like a brief little aside about ghosting in general. If you're too deep into it, I think you cannot ghost without saying yeah. something. And also, I think if you slept together, that, that also changes things. I agree. I think if they, they, they yeah, they, they went on a date, they had sex, they have, they went on that long emotional date where they, she took him to her childhood home and her favorite taco stand, mm-hmm. which sounds menial, but that, I mean, it was meaningful. So I don't think he was in a place where he should have ghosted her. But then we later find out it's for, you know, mental health issues. Yeah, that's one of my things on the show that I still am curious to how they handle it. Because eventually in the fourth season, by the time she's already with Lawrence again, he tells her, I got diagnosed as bipolar when I was there. Even even when he first says it, though, in season three, when he's like, I just was going through some really tough stuff. I feel like mental health was implied and she should have gotten there on her own. And it's still, she went fucking crazy. She fully spiraled when he left. I still feel like he should have sent a text, but I, I, I just think it was very clear the way he described it, that it was mental health, but she didn't get there on her own. I don't know. I, I just, her not forgiving him for that is still one of, to me, the biggest Issa missteps. Because Mm -hmm. I think you, like, I understand she was very emotional about it. She was questioning, should I not have slept with him? Should I not have been that honest with him? And those things can really, I think, damage you as a person to be like, wow, I let somebody in and I got fucked over. But he comes back so apologetic, pretty honest about what was going on. And I think she should have been able to forgive him. Her not forgiving him when he comes back, it just drives me crazy. Even if she was ghosted, that absolutely sucks. But she took it, like, to go to his house go through his stuff try to get into his computer go through his trash i I think if it gets if it gets that bad maybe just accept it after a few days i think that if it was a mental health thing and he did come back genuine and apologetic then 
yeah, get like cut the guy some slack. Like, yes, it would have been nice for him to be like, I'm okay. Yeah. I just need a second. That that simple text would have been great, but maybe he wasn't there. We don't really know. But that's one of the examples of you're right, Issa, just it's all about Issa. Right. And being in a relationship with someone who struggles with their mental health is super hard. And there are certain boundaries that I know you need to set in place. And that's why, like, I understand, like, can't be a consistent thing of just disappearing for a month. I think you could have given him one. You could have given him one pass. But I don't know, from her perspective, like, she goes fucking crazy. And so she has to put a boundary up and delete his number and block him. And I get why. I think she just, if she's going to block his number and end it all, I think she should have done that a lot earlier on. Right. Before you break into somebody's house, probably. She's just a classic freaker outer. Like, the same way she overreacted to Daniel finishing on her face, which these are not similar situations at all. But she just, she's so quick to get mad about something. And then once she has that emotion, she's just so locked into it. I agree. That's a good way to put it. Um, The one thing she does do, though, that I just want to point out to everybody, because it is some advice that I would be remiss if we didn't draw attention to, going to the tagged photos is the key in stalking somebody. She goes to to Nathan's tagged photos and figures out where he is. And while we're not supporting breaking into somebody's house, I do encourage people to do their research. And the best way to do that always is tagged photos. Do not miss it. It is the vital step of stalking somebody on Instagram. That is great. And I also miss, I miss the days where Instagram would let you look at who's liked whose pictures. It took way too much of my time, but that was pretty nice to see. Oh, you're liking her pictures or she's liking his pictures. That's interesting. Oh, okay. So those are all the people that they date. The mm-hmm. only reason we're not going to talk about this episode is we're not going to talk about Condola. We're going to save Condola for next episode because, as we all know, she is very vital to the fourth season and the cliffhanger. So we'll talk about her next time. So during all this time, Issa and Lawrence are circling each other's lives. And in some ways, it's very negative. And eventually, they move into a positive space. So let's first talk about the very negative space they're in post-breakup, which culminates in them having a fight at Derek's party. I might just play a little audio of this scene because uh, just for us all to be reminded of what happens in this fight, this is when him and Aparna show up at Derek's birthday. Issa has realized that she's been blocked on Facebook, so she's upset about that. And they have this little fight. You block me? Wow. Okay, yeah, I blocked you because I was tired of seeing pictures of the nigga you fucked while we were together. I didn't post pictures. I don't give a fuck who posted the pictures. You still fucking that nigga? Why do you even talk? Of course, so you still fucking him. Who else did you fuck while we were together? Are you serious right now? I don't know what the fuck he was out here doing. Apparently. Oh, what I'm doing? Yeah. What about what you're doing? Fucking me while you're with some bitch who works at your bank? And really, nigga, her? Because being some fake-ass music producer's jump-off is better? He's got way more going on than woo-woo. Speaking of, what's up with that? Because I ain't getting no woo-woo on my phone. Was it worth all that time I spent supporting your depressed ass? Probably not as much time as you spent being a fucking hoe. So what do we think about this? Who was right? Who was wrong? What is this? What is this moment for them as exes? I think that Lawrence, okay, what a mess this was. Lawrence brought Aparna to the party thinking it was a lot more casual than it was. That's fair. However, Issa was being such a child. I don't think it's a crime that he brought her. He thought it was going to be less formal, awkward move because he knew that Issa would be there. So it wasn't the nicest thing, but it wasn't the biggest crime in the world. Issa, grow the fuck up. Don't sit here and make snide remarks about it. That was really rude and very small. And I think that was a huge turnoff. I 100% agree. I also think she overreacts about being blocked on social media. I think for him, that was him setting a boundary. It was because he saw a picture with her and Daniel and him being like, I can't see you with other guys. That drives me crazy. That was a healthy choice for him, Mm -hmm. which I fully support everybody. can't see your ex with someone else block them and i think again it's her making it all about her and you know for Issa, you have to be like you're the one that cheated he had to do what he had to do to get over you understand that it might be something as simple as blocking you on facebook it's not petty it's making a choice that was better for him however the way that he calls her a hoe the way that he just like lashes out of her takes all of his paranoia out on her because he can't handle being around her 
So maybe you shouldn't have come to the birthday party. Like if you're still so mad that you blocked her on Facebook, maybe you should have known seeing her in person was going to be problematic. Issa kind of poked the bear. Lawrence went absolutely fucking crazy ballistic. So they're both to blame, mostly Lawrence, because there's just no excuse to say that. Issa, don't act like that. It's again, it's like this web of like, both of you guys relax. This is, it's everything that, everything that they've done to each other. The reactions make sense because they're both just so emotional and there's so many links between them that it's just, it's going to get messy. This is a very good cautionary tale of not being ready to have an ex back in your life, even as a friend. But eventually they move through it. And we played the episode, the clip last episode, where they kind of come clean to each other and they really communicate and they apologize, which is a key step in having someone back in your life to apologize and to let them know that you still care about them. So that happens. And then we kind of have a Lawrence break, which, again, I fully thought he was gone. I thought that character was never coming back. I think this, like, phase is them reestablishing their friendship. They see each other at Tiff's shower. Then they get coffee. And then he's there on her birthday. On one hand, it took them forever to get to where they are now. But at the same time, it also seemed kind of quick. It was very just, I hate you, you're a whore. Oh hey, good to see you. <laughs> so I'm glad that I'm glad the turmoil's over. I'll, I'll say that much because it was getting it's not getting old because the show is great, but it was just if I were if I was Molly or Chad or anyone who's circulating that friend group, I'd be like, this is getting old. I think what's um, key about them coming back into each other's lives is a as we just said the apology happens but also it comes up in a few ways like at the baby shower and then I think again on the coffee date where he kind of acknowledges because he and Chad or he and um, Derek have had a conversation where they're like would you ever take Issa back no she's a cheater blah 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 and then he sees her at the baby shower and they both kind of have this moment where they're like and I think he's the one who says it he says she oh, she's different. And I think Mal, or Issa says to Molly, I think I'm finally over it. I mean, I'll always love him, but I think I'm over it. And they both see how they have changed as individuals and they acknowledge it and they see how the relationship has changed. And so I think that's key to be able to, yeah. you're not holding on to like old ideas of each other. You know what I mean? They are able to acknowledge the growth in each other and acknowledge the positives about that. And so I think that's a good sign that they are on their way to a friendship again, where they're just not holding on to the past. Yes. Anytime Issa and Lawrence have said any type of firm statement about, I would never do this. I will never get back with this person. I will never X, Y, Z. Anytime that happens anywhere between season one through four, I don't buy it. I never buy it. They're just, those are two emotional people. Yes. Of course, this isn't over. After his kind of hotation, he like has this moment where he is like, there has to be more to my life than fucking and working. And he tries to find meaning in church. And then he has this conversation with his dad where he's like, why can't it be easy? Like, like you and mom and his dad's kind of like, it wasn't easy for me and mom. You have to make your own happy ending. And I think is what his dad says to him. Unlike first season Lawrence, who we knew, Lawrence now finds himself in this new rut of looking for what's next, essentially. And now instead of being, being in his feelings about it, he actively tries to get out of it so he breaks the pattern of him falling into being someone who gets stuck he is determined to make his own happy ending i can see them finding their way back to each other i don't know if that's going to be a relationship or a friendship but what i'm curious about is since they each had their own you know fork of the road of growth where Issa went left lawrence went right they're different people now so i'm wondering their 2.0 versions of themselves is that going to still work with each other? Is it different enough where it won't work? Or will they have to re-get to know each other? I'm curious what that will look like. Yeah. I think what does give me what makes sense to me is that they they get back to a place of friendship, which I think is key if you're going to build on anything ever again. Like we talk about on the show a lot, you can't build a relationship off of a rocky foundation you have to have a strong foundation and they definitely get back that back the thing that I was really hung up on when we first started talking about Issa and Lawrence and them getting 
back together is this idea you hang on to who you were when you were in that relationship and this person brings you back into old habits. And what I do see happen is that they acknowledge the ways in which the other person has change and they still hold their own in this new 2.0 version of themselves. All right, that is us on Lawrence and Isa in their single days. Next episode, we are talking all about A, Condola, and B, Isa and Lawrence getting back together. What we think of Isa and Lawrence 2.0 and what we think is going to happen, how they're going to work through this very big cliffhanger. Um, so in the meantime, you can find us on social media. Let us know your thoughts on Tasha, Daniel, ugh, Nathan, all of these people that they date and um, how you feel they handled having each other in their life as exes. And if you have any traumatic stories about having an ex in your life, we, um, as always, want to know and we want to talk about it. And we will see you next week. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been Talking Ship. If you had a nice time, we would be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. We're still a pretty new show, so those stats really do help us out. Thank you so much to JP Maddock for being my wonderful co-host this season. You can follow him on social media at jpepe. That's J-A-Y-P-A-E-P-A-E. You can find the podcast on social media too, at Talking Ship Podcast, for all kinds of content and updates. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at OnlyMegan815 on all the platforms. That's Megan with no H. No H. Talking Ship is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. So thank you to the whole team there for helping make this show happen. And thank you to Chris Meisner for composing our theme music that you're currently listening to. And that will fade out now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.